Life Housing Partners, it is episode 105. We are sitting here on Wednesday, May 3rd, and it has been a busy day with uh, Mr. Jerome coming out with a 25 basis point increase that was very well telegraphed, or uh, I would assume it's no surprise to really anybody. I guess some people thought there would be no increase, which is uh, cute, but uh, yeah, this is a 25 basis points up on the interest rate and maybe a signal that that might stop overall. I think there's been a flood of news over the last week or so since uh, we've been traveling the past week or so. So let's catch everyone up on all of that. David Fong, where did this find you, my friend? Uh, yesterday, the, the mystery is over. You know, there was some Big speculation mystery. where the, the strong optimists were hoping that he didn't raise, but he did raise. Um, some people are criticizing him for doing it. Uh, but as Rowan said, they, he did telegraph it very well that he was most likely going to raise 25 basis points, and he did. The the thing that's interesting, I don't know how much forecasting or reading the tea leaves people do with the Fed, but they said that they took out a statement in his prepared statement Powell made, um, basically kind of indicating that maybe they won't raise next next time. And that uh, you know because they're watching the economy and, and, and uh, the other big news that happened a few weeks ago, as we all, a month ago, as we talked about, was the two bank failures, uh, Silicon sure. Valley, Signature Bank and, Sing, and Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, the, the other big news this week, because we're just two days away from it, uh, was on, you know, last Friday, uh, basically the FDIC announced that they were gonna take over uh, First Republic Bank out of San Francisco. And you know, it's typical FDIC style. They like to do it on a Friday afternoon, and so yeah. then by so the market doesn't freak out. And then by Monday, they hope to have a, a solution, and the solution turned out to be J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah. And so uh, come come this past Monday, two days ago, they they announced um, with the FDIC takeover, they sold First Republic to uh, J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon. Um, it's an interesting ride. Um, you know, First Republic was on a free fall last week after they reviewed their first quarter results, and apparently um, they lost a little over $100 billion in deposits in a month, which uh, for a bank that had about $200 billion in deposits, basically, that was a huge, that's a huge uh, you know, run on the bank, if anything. Well, one thing that's interesting is, you know, I think there was a concerted concern since the fall of SVP and Signature, that First Republic was sort of next. Yeah. But whereas, like, those banks happened pretty rapidly, I would say over, like, a, a seven-day period, this was, like, a kind of a 70-day period yeah. of where it was slowly, slowly eroding. And then when it came out that this, there was so much deposit loss, I think it, it ended in, like, extreme consumer confidence loss, not only at the depository level, but also at the stock level. And I think that's pretty... That's not a big surprise, I mean, when you look back in hindsight, but it, that also happened pretty rapidly. And I think one of the things that now we can look at is like, when these sparks start fires, those fires, they burn down buildings really fast. Yeah. It's, like a wild, it's, like, it's like in California, the, the wildfires. Where, <laughs> yeah, they happen you have fast. Dry, have you ever seen <laughs> the dry tinder? Dry tinder. Once you get that spark going, it zaps, it, it zips yeah. along really, really quick. Because this was like kind of smoldering for a while. And then once that deposit news came out, it was like, I don't know how many people were standing outside that First Republic in Brentwood, but God, man, it must have been a ton of folk because it happened super fast. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things I think you were going to go to is 
the deal that uh, yeah Sir Jamie there struck yeah, yeah. Well, on, on First Republic. Well, well, a couple of interesting. Uh, Which, by know. the way, I, I before I know I know you got you're gonna go into what actually makes it, but to me, if we are in a recession, this is the first like major distress play that probably ends up working really well in this recession. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jamie Diamond, I think, got a got a really good deal. Um, so walk walk us through so, some so, of those so, deal so, points, so, which are kind of interesting. So, so basically, they they bought the substantial majority of their assets, which is basically 173 billion dollars of loans and 30 billion dollars of security. So basically, you know, they lent out 173 billion dollars of loans, and they're on the hook for it. Now. Uh, this, is where that makes it, this is where it's interesting is t- typically in these deals which they didn't tell you the details of is there's what they call FDIC loss sharing agreement which covers all these single family mortgage loans and commercial real estate loans yeah, that the stuff that, that can go bad that could go bad now obviously not all of it's going to go bad yeah. you know, it's, the default rate is still pretty low it's, it's not a, not like a bunch of third graders making loans mm-hmm. at the bank and so, and so there's you got to imagine there's some good loans out there and some of these are residential mortgages too yeah. so some and of those houses, all office buildings yeah and, and so, and so, um, so but anyway, but anyway, in these law sharing is what I've seen in my law days was these agreements are basically where the FDIC agreed to take almost all the losses. And we don't know exactly how much they covered, but I, you know, can only imagine to, to get Jamie Diamond to step up like this because there's also an image, right? You know, yeah. Jamie Diamond is considered the biggest, you know, JP Morgan Chase is considered the biggest bank. It's sort of like the blue blood health, you know, one of the healthiest, if not the top bank. And so they have them take over sends a message to the market which is obviously an intangible valuable benefit um interesting enough i just reached some quotes from jamie diamond in his press release i thought it was a lot interesting arrogant what you might want to think about it he he talked about how the government invited them to bid in this auction and it basically said government invited us to step up to help and we did and this acquisition modestly modestly benefits their modest <laughs> benefits our company overall it's accretive to shareholders obviously it's got to be or in trouble it? with his shareholders. It helps further enhance our wealth strategy and is complementary to our existing franchise. Um, the other key element, as I mentioned, they assume the, the $92 billion of deposits that basically, you know, if there is a run, you know, they got to put up they $92 got billion. That. But on the other hand, I think first, uh, the FTC also guaranteed all deposits, even deposits over the 250 yeah. So I don't think there's much exposure for them. What's interesting, too, is out of that $92 billion, there's also $30 billion that a few weeks ago all this consortium of Wall Street banks put up and on deposit there for 90 right. to 120 days to basically help give the market confidence that First Republic would make it, which unfortunately it didn't. But so this, it's interesting. It's unclear what happens to those $30 billion. Will, when will those banks withdraw that $30 billion back? Yeah, when are they allowed to? When are they allowed to and stuff? So that, that's the other interesting thing. Uh, one of the pieces, the FDIC also gave them a loan. To help them out with this deal, in case there's any issues that comes up, gave them a five-year fixed-rate loan. They didn't say what interest rate, which I find very interesting, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure it's a pretty low one, but they gave them a $50 billion loan yeah. facility. I think it's not prep, <laughs> not prep terms, I would yes. assume. Um, um, one, then, I would say one other thing on a more like business level is one, how if you look at kind of a very loose history of First Republic Bank, it was actually born out of frustration on business people's side with banking with Chase. Chase, the big banks. With yeah. big banks, Chase and Wells Fargo, especially during the uh, the great financial crisis where banks just tightened up and everything got more illiquid. You couldn't get loans through Chase. You know, the, nobody wanted to go in banks. And uh, First Republic's, one of the biggest goals was to be a really business 
private business friendly bank that eliminated a lot of this stuff like they would send you a notary to do your notary they would bring send people to pick up your deposits they they made it very easy yeah and and it's kind of like ironic or whatever you want to call it now that like the biggest Chase, bank, the biggest bank <laughs> essentially it swallows this and it'll be interesting because i think they almost have to keep these branches and the brand first republic or some formation of it because there's a number of people that are have no interest in going back to the big banks aside from just keeping large deposits yeah. they don't want to actually business bank there yeah it was also founded it said it, it, it's it was uh, it's mainly a san francisco bank too. yeah and one of the things that's interesting is it's the most active lender in san francisco's oh, common yeah. market by far and so it's be interesting to see what happens to those loans but the the other thing it said it was it was founded you know to really target coastal coastal people yeah you know coastal wealthy coastal, coastal elites. people coastal elites and um, like you said interesting now now it's, it's brought up by jp morgan um jp morgan did not however assume any of the corporate debt of the company oh, so i guess those share uh, those that must lenders be terrible. Are, are screwed <laughs> and, and, nor its preferred stock so any oh, preferred stockholders and, and those equity holders are wiped out those are wiped out yeah that makes sense you're so, gonna wipe those guys so, out first. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but so I guess the question is, and I, I guess when this all happened, Monday was a, when it was announced and there was a free fall, the Dow at some point, I think it was three, four hundred points off. But now, um, I guess today on Wednesday, it seems like things have stabilized and the whole goal of the Fed, we'll see if it, if it works, was to basically, you know, contain the pandemic, you know, the yeah. panic and, uh, you know, st stop any other fears because, you know, if you dig, but however, if you get if you're realistic about it, okay, that was First Republic. There's a lot of smaller banks too yeah. that that have just as much you, systemic risk, yeah. systemic risk, or, or other these, contagion these, risk. Yeah. You know the interest rate issues that 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 has brought down all three banks, which is basically their holdings in various, um, you know, investments. Equities, you know, was based on interest rates. You yeah. know, and 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 now that interest rates have increased so much because of the Fed. Uh, those those holdings are, are you know lost a lot of value and there's a lot of small banks who are facing the same thing and the small banks you know they 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 make a lot of loans too who are now not going to be banking loans yeah. and so you know are we really over for you know this quote unquote crisis whatever it was they were trying to contagion they were trying to contain definitely has stopped right now yeah. but you know it's still early it just happened it's this so week early, yeah I mean one one of the interesting things that I heard this week was eighty percent of the commercial loans in the u.s mm -hmm. are made by local and regional banks mm -hmm. which i sort of believe on like the sub call it 20 or 10 million dollar level i totally believe it there but i think as you get above that level and you start getting into larger commercial assets i don't know that many people getting loans of like call it above 20 from local or regional banks in fact i can't even name one yeah i literally cannot name they one they the probably don't. I, I think you're right. I think what they do actually is, but they participate in bigger loans. They do participate, hundred percent. Right. I think like the B of A's of the world and the bigger bank, like Wells Fargo. Bank, these guys Wells Fargo will, will take a big loan yes. and then they'll give like they'll a 10, 20 million dollar chunk to these regional banks to yeah, take a little true. piece of. But I think for a while, I think especially, yeah. I I, I mean, they definitely do participate. I think you're. That's probably what they're referring to on the larger stuff. But I definitely don't know of like people buying, call it fifty, sixty million dollar assets that aren't going to more kind of larger lenders, like call it whether it be you know from multifamily agency 
So that's you know Fannie Freddie, or for commercial assets, insurance companies, life codes, that type of stuff. I, or or just going the debt fund route, debt fund route still. I mean, I just I'm sure it's out there, but I'm just not. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think there's def- yeah, and I I think definitely at least our observations of the debt market, there's just definitely been a slowdown. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen. Uh, by the way, I was in San Francisco last week for an affordable housing conference, and I did see oh, a, yeah. I did see a First Republic bank or two. I nice. thought about that when, last week. This was before, of course, that was when it was in free fall. Um, and, it, and it's uh, yeah, you were there, stock, like, right in the crisis. Yeah, stocks where stock prices was was uh, dropping Destroyed. dramatically. Yeah. Um, um, speaking about other stock prices, the other interesting thing I read about was, um, and we talked about this, Brookfield, a huge asset manager along the lines of Blackstone, um, they had a REIT um, called Downtown Office REIT or something like that, uh, which owns six, uh, as basically six assets, uh, six office buildings, and one big retail center here in, in downtown LA, which was sort of the Class A uh, properties used to, that were originally developed by a, a famous guy named Rob McGuire here in Los Angeles. And two of those assets we've talked about before, uh, Gas Company Tower and 77 Figueroa, uh, major assets have gone into foreclosure. And the interesting thing that they, they said was um, the other five assets are most likely going to go into some kind of default, you know, default of yeah. foreclosure. Um, then there, this is default. Let's be clear. Like, this is not a maturity default. This is like where they've stopped paying. Yeah, they stopped paying just because they're just not generating they don't have enough revenue. revenue to pay... The, expenses and this loan. is true default and so they're trying to figure it out but uh what's interesting is you know in 2017 pre-pandemic you know the REIT the share price was at 30 dollars a share and currently now it's at 50 cents <laughs> and so um it's, it's it's a reflection of something the theme we've talked about before about how you know class a office cbd certain you know san francisco echoed that too when i visited san francisco that i was in downtown by union square and there definitely was, was a little empty a little a little is the wrong word a lot empty and not that many people on the streets other than yeah. the homeless people yes and, and so uh you know la has a similar problem that yeah i think the estimate at though. least they, which to me seems low they say 30 percent vacancies in, in San Francisco. I think it's more. Yeah, I, I think, think they're more. doing thirty percent on what's like leased space and yeah. not physically occupied yeah. space. Yeah, just like LA, they said it's thirty percent too. That's, that's why this McGuire. And again, I think it's more, especially. If guys I, th- I think it's like Brookfield are giving that. stuff back, and so I literally think it's double. If you go on what's actually leased and physically occupied, I think it's like sixty percent. Yeah. So so um, they're again, benefiting out of long lease terms. Yeah. So again, the, the, the office market, as we've talked about, even the you know the A market, you know, which traditionally was always considered the safest. Yeah. And people used to used to you know used to in their fundraising used to talk about you no know, you know apartments and Class A CBD yeah. was was the safest, and now certain Class A well, CBD is uh, not so good. Not so good. I, I think we talked briefly about this, but this is the coming story, which which will be some headlines because this. The rate high, or the rate hike, and and the first republic will soon be beyond us. And the next shoe that's going to drop is the coming auction of 350 California Street, which is one of the more you know 22-story glass stone tower in the heart of the financial district of, of uh, San Francisco, and originally was worth around 300 million in 2019, and now is going to auction and is hoping to get bids in the 50 to 60 million dollar range. Which represents an eighty to ninety percent eighty percent write down, and where what that and it is essentially a pretty almost vacant building. Yeah, 
Like yeah. it is basically. And, and again, in San Francisco, that was one of the premier buildings. Yeah. And so. Um, and in the but I would just like to point this out in the in the same week where that was announced, and it was you know this is an auction, and and I think the headline news of the auction is. It was worth 300 million in 2019, and we're hoping to get like 50, 60 million when it goes to auction in a few weeks. And in the same week, a 15 and a half acre waterfront site in Miami, probably considered, according to Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami, the the most valuable piece of land in the world, literally is what he said, and he's the mayor, so he should say something crazy like that. But that traded for 1.23 billion, which is roughly five times what a Malaysian group, Genting Group, which is a big casino operator, paid for it in 2011. And that just shows you the dramatic tale of what happens when you stay open versus what happens when you shut down. Yeah, it's Good a, luck. It's <laughs> definitely a tale of two different cities. Um, two different mindsets. Two mindsets, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, similarly, I mean, Miami is, 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 is hot. Uh, I saw another report, MSCI, on multifamily market in the U.S. overall. You know, first, first quarter 2023 versus first quarter 2022 and the transaction values dropped down by 60 percent yeah when you came I mean, year I, over I, year the one exception is Miami. is Miami, <laughs> and and, so. and the, 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 everything still remains really strong and, and really it's a florida item it's beyond miami yeah. even it's a greater like it's going all the way up miami like from miami to delray to boca to all those beach cities they all have very robust markets now will those offices remain strong as people get there and get settled and feel like they don't need to come in either i don't know but I think when you shut that spigot down and said you could just work from home because we're too scared for you to come in, man, that spigot's hard to turn back on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the apartment, one, one other group, Walker and Dunlop, put out a, a report where they think apartment deals will start happening and, and uh, move up and there'll be more transaction velocity in the second half. I believe that. Wait, but they, are they, are, do they define where it's distressed? Or well, they, they, no, they said it's based on, well, two factors they're counting on. The fact that many institutional investors, which we've encountered this too, and we talked about this on prior podcasts, that they just there's just a not enough inventory. They need they've allocated some money for apartments, That's and true. they need to put it out. And so by after the second half, yeah, after the first half, they're going to be like, we got to do this otherwise. You know that's part of our function. Um, and then when you look at historical trends, um, you know uh, when there is some kind of slowdown, they think you know this, this people becomes, people come in by the end of the year. Sure. And so, I don't, I don't and I do that. think there's some early data points now showing that vacancy rate is um, not necessarily accelerating as yeah. quickly, is sort of slowing down a bit. And, and so, so apartment vacancy, apartment vacancy. Yeah. So the multifamily fundamentals seem to be stabilizing a little bit. Yeah. So, so we'll, you know, obviously we're in that industry, so we hope that's the case. Well, I think that's that's definitely slowing down. I think the the other part that that is a little, you know, that wouldn't say concerning, but it's definitely the other is like some of the metrics of multi are also slowing quite a bit. Not anything alarming, but like rent increasing is definitely much less where it was like call it fifteen months ago. Yeah. Like we've gone, we've now reached like one, I think it was one seven in April, mm-hmm. which is like the lowest since, you know, probably like two years ago. Mm-hmm. So you're definitely seeing some of these numbers slow down quite a bit. Now, I think part of that is that you just saw unbelievable amount of growth in the, you know, in 21 into, into 22. Yeah. You saw just unbelievable amount of rent. And that just, that's just not sustainable because you yeah, just hit. And it's not historical. Budget, yeah, it's not that's historically, that's and it's just not sustainable. So I don't think that's like that alarming, but we were seeing a little bit more concession, a little bit more vacancy, a little more bad debt. Um, 
just a smidgen more than what we were, had been seeing for yeah. through the pandemic and after. Yeah, and I think the last few months a little bit too. There's been a little flattening and, and a little bit of uh, uh, the red growth accelerator definitely yes. slowed down a bit um, in, in, in most areas. Uh, one one last statistic um, that's interesting too is money supply. I yes. saw this interesting. Yeah, uh, for those econ majors, the M1 and M2, which is the if you look at you know how much money is out there that that impacts the economy. And, you know, M1 is basically cash and coins currently, basically all the money that's kind of out there, traveler checks, and then M2 is M1 plus things like money in a savings account or money market or CDs. Basically money you can access, but a little harder to get to, yes. but it's still money out there. And the money supply, the amount of monies, I guess it's, this is tracked actually by the Federal Reserve, it actually has decreased year for year, it's fallen. Hmm. A few percentage points, and it's only Where happened. Did it go? <laughs> and it's only happened when when it's well. Let me back up. It's happened four times before, in our history. Like and, world wars, or anything? and and it, and last time it happened was like over ninety years ago. Oh wow! We had this contraction money supply where money has somehow got, uh, reduced and declining money supply, um, and it basically happened before three depressions: eighteen seventy, nineteen twenty one, and the Great Depression of nineteen thirty. Yeah, hmm. and, and then one panic in 1870, what, 19... 21, and oh, 1930. So after the Spanish flu. And so what happened after the money supply contracted like that? We've always, we three times it had happened in the past, we had a depression yeah. after that. And then one time after it happened in 1880, we had a panic. <laughs> yeah. But wait, 1921, that was, wasn't that the boom period? No, there was, a, there was a period of contraction. We had a mini depression back then, too. Oh, mini, de yeah. mini depression, depression, like a recession. Yeah, yeah. Like but, more but worse, yeah. But worse than a recession. Yeah, I yeah. get it. Okay. So they're not saying that's going to happen now, obviously. Right. Because different tools, the Fed didn't even exist right, back right, then right, and right, stuff. Right. So, but it doesn't bode well when you have high inflation, too, to, you know, to suggest again, goes back to the whole argument, some kind of economic recession or, or, or yeah. you know, uh, you know, uh, going backwards will happen now. I think the last, you know, first quarter. I think we had GDP. We still had GDP growth. I think it was like one point one percent. So we haven't, uh, you know, we're still not negative yet. <laughs> we haven't had a quarter of negative growth yet. No. So the technical definition of recession hasn't hit still. But again, these just another interesting sign. Just like all this, you know, the yield curve inversions, and so this M two money supply declining was an interesting new uh, data point that people yeah. realized. So. People tell everyone to button up, <laughs> batten down the hatches. Batten down the hatches, yeah. I, th I think that's th that you're hearing that refrain spread quite quickly now, where there is real concern over the unemployment and rising. I, mean, I don't see much of rising interest rates. I think it's just inflation and unemployment are really top of the mind for the general consumer, general person. Uh, all, right, all right, that's enough numbers. Rubers. That's a lot of numbers we've thrown out in the first 25 minutes or so, 22 minutes. Um, content? Anything interesting uh, this week? I saw an interesting movie Sylvester Stallone did called Samaritan. Oh, how was that? Which, I wanted to see that. Uh, it was okay. It had a nice little twist at the very end. Um, but it was kind of like a, a, a more B-cut version of a, of a superhero movie. <laughs> but I like guess uh, it was a little dark in some ways because it had a very depressing kind of like... A, uh, you know, a city in our kind of Batman, like the Batman movies where, you know, Gotham City is this, you know, this crime-plagued environment, everyone's living in poverty, economy is in a depression, and uh, he was a superhero. 
uh, who turned out actually to, well, the, anyway, there's a little <laughs> twist that I want to say it. But, no, don't say the twist. So, no so, no but, spoilers, uh, But it's interesting, uh, you know, so that, that the, the little twist at the end made up for, yeah, it was heading toward a, this is a horrible movie. <laughs> to, oh, interesting. It's okay. Not bad. Okay. Yeah. Right. What about you? Um, I am still watching Succession loyally, and I'm watching uh, the, the big door prize pretty loyally. I'm intermittently watching uh, Seema Auntie from Mumbai. Oh. <laughs> She's great. She's just, you know, wedding Indian people around the globe. I, I do think that they should make a spin-off. I do think I think there are two things. One is Seema Auntie should now go into other cultures. <laughs> It'd be wonderful to see that yeah, happen. Because yeah. she, she is the first to point out that you cannot you can only get about sixty percent of what you want in a person yeah. <laughs> very quickly. And uh, secondarily it would be amazing to see like her try to explain why you should get, you know, a quasi arranged marriage through her, uh, to other cultures that probably don't believe in it. Um, and then she should be on cameo. <laughs> she should definitely like get a, a cameo account and be like, "I am Siva from Bombay, yeah. <laughs> wishing you a happy birthday or whatever she's doing." Um, so I'm watching that, and then I started watching a movie on a series on Netflix called Sweet Tooth, and it's about uh, essentially the planet gets like 98% eliminated from a virus called the Big Sick or the Sick. Okay. And they're trying to find a cure, and then they just started the second season, and there's a... Uh, Does that have anything with sweets or sugar or something? It's just the sick. The S-I-C-K. That maybe is because No, no, I think it's... No, no, I don't think it's... I think it's some sort of, like, airborne disease. Probably, like... <laughs> probably was written before coronavirus, yeah. I think. Or, I don't know. Anyways, it's... Uh, and they're trying to find a cure for it. Otherwise, like... The rest of the two percent living on the planet will be eliminated. So, it's the second season. So, hopefully, find a cure. Um, any upgrades this week? Uh, just a nice little haircut, and I, I did get my house fumigated. So, I feel oh like yeah, the house is, is free a little, of critters. Little, little, <laughs> little flowery smell there. Yeah, little <laughs> nice flowery yeah. smell. Uh, very nice, very nice. Um, By yourself? Myself. Any what upgrade? I didn't really have any any real big upgrades this week. I don't think. Try to think. I think I thought I had some, but I, don't, I know I think it's been a pretty light week on the upgrades. Uh, but I've been watching a lot of content. How about okay. that? Yeah, it's okay. Next week uh, we'll get an upgrade. Next week I'll find an upgrade. Um, all right, folks. That's us. That's uh, we're just over the twenty-six minute mark. Thank you everyone for joining. Please continue to join us. Subscribe if you can. Review review if you can to review anyways. And that's it. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone.